Welcome back to Between Takes with Opal Entertainment. I'm Aiden Driscoll. And I'm Olivia O'Neill. And today, we have the distinct pleasure of being joined in the studio by... Good Morning Bedlam! We're going to talk with them about what it's like to be a touring musician in the year 2022. We're going to get to know the individuals of the band, individually. The success of their third LP, Lulu. As well as a few horror stories from the road. All that and more on this week's episode of... Between Takes... Well, here we are. We're starting the podcast now, for real. How's everybody doing today? Doing great. So great. Rock on. So you've been in Nashville for a year. We've been in Nashville for a year. What have you guys been up to? How's it been? Well, I'm glad you asked, because we actually just had you on so that you could interview us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really curious. Well, we've been having a lot of fun. We've uh, been, been, you know, finding places to play. It's cool. It's not like, it's, it's kind of the Jason Mraz way, where he would, like, play in random bookstores and farmer's markets and things like that. And so we're finding like a, like clothing stores and farmers markets and mm-hmm. you know the usual coffee shops and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other place? Oh, a tulip farm. We played at a tulip yeah, farm that was cool. here. Wow. That so was pretty. fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've kind of just been doing that and then hanging out, having a good time, and trying to. Uh, at this point, should we talk this much on the podcast about that? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this point, trying to figure out kind of what the next steps are with, we have like an album that's basically finished written mm-hmm. and it's been finished written in a, for a while and we've been working on like the arrangements and how that works mm-hmm. and now trying to figure out what the next steps are with sure. the recording process but and all that. with this album, more than Third Ave, I think we're thinking there'll be more people on it sure. um, as far as like other instruments. So that's also a process of like finding yeah. those people. And potentially working <clears throat> with like Third Ave was all independently, it was all us and stuff. Yeah. So like trying to find engineers and um, people like that. Have you found, like, in the last year, like, how is it hard to, like, get in, start meeting people in Nashville, or does that feel like a pretty easy process? Meeting people in general, no, not particularly. Um, like, we've met a lot of people. Yeah. And, and because it's Nashville, because the people who grew up here in Nashville will kind of inevitably know someone who knows someone, at least, who's yeah. somehow involved in the industry. Um, so as far as just meeting people in general hasn't been hard finding those people where we feel like oh okay we really click and we find like a lot of things in common um, that's been hasn't been as many um, but we also have been going to the, the, the way we've been meeting them has been more hasn't been t- geared more towards that as much okay. And I think people are really ready to be approached here for, like, a lot of people are, like, musicians, so they like talking about music. So mm-hmm. that's been really nice because I feel like we can, yeah, just reach out to people and talk, you know, talk, hey, what are you? And mm-hmm. then they'll, we'll have a good conversation about it. It doesn't necessarily go anywhere, depending, mm-hmm. but, yeah. And almost as interesting as us living in Nashville, you guys have been on the road almost exclusively for a hot minute now. Yeah, we've been on the road pretty consistently since late February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been great. We released our record at the beginning <coughs> of February. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when Dawson started with us. Mm-hmm. And, Hello. Uh, Hi, yeah, Dawson. we've been touring. So this is a good segue, which is kind of an old because I pointed out that it was a good segue. But um, can we just kind of go around and like you introduce your, your, you guys yourselves and tell us kind of your name, how long you've been with the band, um, mm-hmm. how long you've been in music, those kinds of things, what got you into music. Just a brief little... Yeah. Life, life history. I will start. Okay. <laughs> I am Tori, Tori Elker, and um, I joined the band in 2017. So the band had already been, no, no, not in 2017. Yeah, yes, sorry, my brain <laughs> is going. <No>. Um, 
So the band had already been a band, and, and, it, and Isaac and Soph had started it just as a duo. And then you guys know uh, Johnny and Noah mm-hmm. both joined up after that. Um, and then the bass player, Johnny, he um, got accepted to a school out in Rhode Island. So, I know, right? <laughs> what, what a, a sellout. <laughs> <laughs> he got accepted to a school Going for, for money, illustration. illustration. Right. Crazy. Um, but then he decided to leave the band, so we knew he was leaving. And the summer that he got accepted, Isaac and I got married that summer. Mm-hmm. So I went with them on an eight-week tour, which was chaotic, but <laughs> awesome. We didn't know it was chaotic. <laughs> no, we didn't know at the time. Not looking back, we like all of our horror stories. Because you've like, figured it out at this point? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And, um, so... I went on that tour and I sold the merch and I like helped sing a couple songs, but um, you were also the only one that was twenty one. Yes. So oh really? You got all of the drink <laughs> <Yeah>. tickets. <laughs> Roy was having a great. Day. <laughs> <laughs> I helped him that way. Um, and and then uh, when Johnny found out on that tour that he got accepted, then I he gave me a couple lessons on how to play the bass. Um, and you know, t- letting the people listening know like Johnny was he came from like a jazz background so stepping into his shoes was yeah like (laughs) kind of crazy and uh I didn't think I thought it would be a much longer process and then they all surprised me Mm -hmm. Isaac um with Johnny's help like found a bass um on Craigslist and then surprised me with it Mm. and this was still on that tour no, but oh, my okay. birthday is in September, and the, t- the tour was through August. Gotcha, gotcha. So I was like, oh, we'll save up. Right. Eventually Aww. get a base. Right. But they surprised me with one. Oh, that's fun. And yeah. Then I had that semester of school, I worked on learning like a 30-minute set. And then I performed that set, and it was terrifying, but awesome. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> then I kind of realized that, because I've been going to school for acting, I realized that um, a huge part of, my love of performance was getting to be in a collective, like be in a group mm-hmm. and be like working towards a group goal. Right. Um, and then you don't really do that in acting. You really mm-hmm. have to be like very motivated, very self-motivated. So right. I, I just wasn't, I wasn't made for that. So um, I love being in this band and this past record, I feel like I did a lot more writing and a lot more helping with like the composition of things. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the studio, and it's been a lot of fun. But, mm. yeah, since then, yeah, I've taken on a lot, a lot of other vocal parts and mm-hmm. all of the bass parts. So that's what I do. Sweet. Awesome. I'm Dawson Redenius. I play the trumpet and the keys, and I am about three months old in this band. Um, Isaac and I are not married, <laughs> um, unfortunately. Well, Isaac <laughs> is married, just not to you. Yeah. Okay. yeah so... Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I guess I sort of started gigging, and I got into music and started gigging when I was like 13 or 14. Um, I was a trombone player, and they gave up that toy for the trumpet, and uh, it's been great. It's been awesome. Uh, they keep saying it's going to get bad, but it hasn't. The shows oh, have been nice. inc- The shows have been incredible. <laughs> We're a, a really positive group, so. <laughs> I was like, dude, you don't even know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, uh, it's been really good, uh, really great, and yeah, it's been a joy to get to know all these people. <laughs> well, I'm uh, Sophia May Fire, and um, <laughs> I started playing violin when I was two or three, 
um, which is pretty normal for the method that I learned by. I studied classical music and did Suzuki. So you learn a lot by ear. And um, I'm really glad. I love that method. If anyone's listening and is thinking about picking up an instrument, the ear method or Suzuki is amazing. Because I think later on it helped me to be able to just hear songs that I like and play them um, and improvise with Isaac later when we were jamming together, um, which I love because I also love uh, like old golden era jazz stuff. And it's mm -hmm. nice to be able to play around and like listen to that and learn some of that by ear. And, and now I'm in this band and it's been, it's the last few tours have been like lovely in the last, just not, not uh, as opposed to the other tours, <laughs> but just uh, specifically focusing in on the last few tours and the tour that we're on right now. They've been uh, some really cool shows. Yeah, I kind of feel like what you're both a little, uh, referencing a bit is with the release of the new record, it kind of seems like uh, the quality of our shows, um, just attendance, venues, um, the kinds of shows we're playing has gone up, uh, has improved exponentially. I'm Isaac. Hi, Isaac. <laughs> I play guitar. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> I always like to just say, like, when I was little, I wanted to be a singer when I grew up, like everybody else, and then I just never really grew out of it. Like, I was mm -hmm. 18, I was like, I still want to be a singer. <laughs> and nobody told me that I was a terrible singer when I was 18, so I <laughs> went for it. And uh, <laughs> um, basically, <clears throat> you know, like, I took piano growing up, and I never practiced, just like everybody else. And then um, I really wanted to play guitar. My parents told me that, we would borrow a guitar, and if I taught myself for a year, and uh, mm. then I could have guitar lessons. So um, I taught myself for about a year, and, and then I, I took guitar lessons on and off then through, uh, through high school. And I was pretty old when I started playing compared to most uh, kids. I, th I think I was 13 when I started. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, learned a lot on YouTube, and um, as you two know, uh, Sophie and I, you know, we all grew up in the same kind of, mm -hmm. I describe it as a theater conservatory program. <laughs> that's the only For way. For 12 I can year olds? <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing I can really describe it as is like an art conservatory program, like middle, yeah. uh, middle school, high school thing. And, and, you know, we got our start, uh, Sophie and I, you know, composing music for mm -hmm. plays and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, street performing, stuff like that. That's why um, we people are always giving us the comment, wow, you guys are really loud. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I started the band with Sophie um, after I moved away to college and um, I brought her to a show, um, a band out of Minneapolis, uh, Davina and the Vagabonds, mm -hmm. um, who's pretty popular up there. And after the show, I was like, wasn't that amazing? And Sophie's like, that was amazing. It's like, we... Started <laughs> and I pretended like I had just thought of it. But here's the thing. I had been thinking about it for a while. So <clears throat> I had already been talking to um, uh, this cat about uh, doing some recording mm -hmm. and, and that kind of stuff. So I recorded some stuff in my basement, and uh, then we went out to this little home studio uh, and after writing a few songs and we recorded vocals there and the violin there because I felt like those were more important than my guitar playing. Mm -hmm. And then he mixed that uh, little EP called The Changeover. And um, I had already started booking shows when I asked Sophie if she wanted to start a <laughs> band. Um, and so we went on, we played some around the Midwest. 
And then that fall, our friends uh, Johnny and Noah joined us on the banjo and the bass, and uh, we recorded our first full-length record, Prodigal, and we took that out on an eight-week tour. We played to no one for eight weeks, and it was a blast. <laughs> uh, we didn't die. Although, yeah. looking back, I think we were close many times. So <laughs> close. In weird alleys with strangers and, Ugh. you know. But, uh, and here we are, six and a half years later, we're coming up on our fourth year of being full-time. So that's wow. really, it's wow. been really great. That's amazing. Solid. Hmm. That's really cool. These are fun stories. <laughs> it's cool because I, I knew Isaac before your voice changed. And, um, uh, you, and maybe you'll know me when it does change. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's cool because like I, you were you were one of the big kids because you were old friends with my older brother and mm-hmm. you guys were like the big kids and I wanted to aspire to be like you. And now that I see where you guys have gone, I'm like, okay, well, rethink some things, but uh, I might still want to go some places you guys have gone. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, cool, cool, cool. Rock on. Um, you have the questions down there. Mm-hmm. What's oh so. Let's let's start with this. You just released uh, this is your third LP, Lulu, right? Yes. It's your third. Mm-hmm. So one thing I want to talk about is kind of the progression through your albums, Isaac Man and Excited Face. Because <laughs> Prodigal, in a lot of ways, I don't mean this to be disparaging or anything like that, but it's, it's like you can hear it and there's a very definite like genre it fits into. And I'm like, oh, cool. I know this music. I can like like point to other people that it sounds like. And then Light King has kind of started to incorporate more... Um, I don't know, Dixieland there were like brass sections in a couple songs and stuff like that in a way and it kind of it, it became more the, the, it had more parts within the songs it wasn't just like a verse chorus verse chorus type thing and then Lulu I think even further went that direction so can you guys talk about kind of how that progression happened how you guys have evolved from Absolutely. album to album well we've, we've talked about this a lot and we talked about it a lot in studio so I'll just start there and then I'll let Isaac um, go from there but uh, when we were in studio and recording Lulu, it's interesting because the, the whole album Lulu is about kind of letting go of um, a concept of where you think your life should be or and just an idea of the future. Mm-hmm. And that whole process of recording was us kind of almost letting go of holding tightly to uh, being close to the folk genre mm-hmm. and recognizing, oh, we want keys and we want a full drum set and we want trumpet and mm-hmm. we want this m- more fully produced sound um, and we were processing that in the studio mm-hmm. while the songs were <coughs> being made a little poppier than they have been yeah I think one thing that we've always been really obsessed with is the idea of juxtaposition mm-hmm. in every record I, f- I feel like we try to take that a little bit further so you know the folkier the tune um, the poppier we want the production. And the poppier <laughs> the tune, the folkier we want the production. You know, we want to, you know, combine tradition with innovation. I think that's a really cool idea. Um, and I think you see that within the record. You know, Prodigal is obviously very, uh, very Avid yeah. Brothers, <laughs> um, which makes sense there. Really the band that kind of inspired um, us to start a folk band. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I was listening to, I was playing in a metal band growing up mm-hmm. and um and then like kings i mean similarly still um but so many of our influence you know have kind of deviated over the years you know like right. definitely still very influenced by bands like the ava brothers but we're really influenced by bands that lie on the folkier uh, on the popular side of things mm-hmm. and that's always been true you know mm-hmm. um there are of course bands that we absolutely love that 
um, are more on the string side of things, whether that's, you know, the Aver brothers are very Americana, or right. like Nickel Creek really rides that like chamber grass, very intricate uh, right. on bluegrass instruments. Um, but you even see that in like, you know, we start with banjo, and then our next banjo player was somebody that only played, you know, we really wanted somebody that was a melodic banjo player. And basically, then when he stepped down, we had gone so far that we knew that we didn't want banjo again anyway. And so we were ready to kind of progress. And so much of it, you know, is just, I think one thing that's really cool about making music in 2022 is like, you're not working with a radio station. You're not working with a label. And so the the ability to innovate um, mm-hmm. is really cool. Uh, it doesn't all have to fit into kind of one little package because you can release just singles for the rest of your life mm-hmm. now. Or you can say like, oh, we release like two EPs a year, mm-hmm. four songs, and only those four have to go together. And so I think that's really cool. And um, it's really hard to do a bunch of different stuff. When, as a small band, um, mm-hmm. because when you're kind of coming up, everybody in the, you know people that work in the industry want to know what. Unless you're selling tickets, if you're selling tickets, they're like, "You're selling tickets. Let's <laughs> do more of this." Yeah. And if you're not selling tons of tickets, they want to know what should we do with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, do you play with the Jamgrass bands? Mm-hmm. Do you play in the bluegrass scene? Do you play in the Americana scene? Do you play with indie rock bands because you kind of have that spirit but not that sound you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they want to know and so that's that's tough as a, a smaller band but I think remembering to kind of take let the art kind of take the the forefront on those decisions has been important and, and finding the right producer for Lulu I think was really important for us so finding somebody that we finally feel like we trusted mm-hmm. as um, I always like say it's like you know you want your producer to be like the director of your movie mm-hmm. you know if you're the writer and really their job is to like put it into the hands of the director that understands the vision mm-hmm. and they're not so close to it that they get stuck in the weeds. So right. like they can come in and say, remember how you really wanted this feeling? Mm-hmm. I know you're stuck on this part in the way <laughs> you feel like it should play out, but it's not accomplishing the goal that you want it to. Mm-hmm. And if you can trust me on this, can we try something else? And, and so I think that... When you have something like that that you can trust, that you feel like understands your sound and your vision, it gives you the freedom to kind of try some different things and let them kind of keep you somewhat within the lines of where you're trying to go and keep you on track or keep you on schedule. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of that was really helpful in the creation of Lulu. Mm-hmm. And that... I didn't answer your question at all. <laughs> well, I mean, I but, think it kind of did. Yeah. So, sorry. So if you go first and then... Well, I was going to go further into what Isaac said, which I, th- I thought was answering the question, <laughs> oh, okay. I think. Because um, basically the answer is we progressed from something far folkier to more poppy influence, right? Yeah, and, a- it's, and it's weird how th- why things progress, too. Mm-hmm. So often, like, you know, we're... The people that do know us, we are known for our three-part harmonies. Like, we're known mm-hmm. as a vocal band, really big harmonies. Um, but... That didn't happen until 2018. So we had already been mm. a band for three years. You know, we mm-hmm. did harmonies and that kind of stuff. But we had, um, before our biggest show of our career, we were playing at First Avenue in the main room. Mm-hmm. We had a banjo player that we had hired. Um, three, two nights in, he abandoned us on the road. He was like, I don't want to do this. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't like you guys. <laughs> in the middle of the night before 
that show. Before, oh, wow. So, like, first to have main room stage. Wow. Yeah. And, and then we were on tour down to South by Southwest. Like, mm-hmm. that was the kind of the start of that. Mm-hmm. And of course, we were panicking. Mm-hmm. And we were like, the banjo's like the electric guitar. Like, it's the lead yeah. guitar yeah. of this band. Like, what do we do? How are we going to do this? And basically, on our road down to Texas, we were trying to figure out, okay, well, what do we have available? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Within the three of us, what to if do. like Sophie just went like, bam, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> we decided yeah. harmonies, so we just started building out harmonies to all of our songs we were already performing, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of changed our whole sound because at that time, um, I was listening to tons and tons of the band Joseph, mm-hmm. um, and their harmonies are yeah. perfect, and so that that's kind of where those harmonies were inspired by, and it's weird how it's like that's kind of our thing now is. Mm-hmm. Harmonies, and that was kind and of just a necessity of in the like, moment. Yeah. We need something tonight. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's take this song we already perform and figure mm-hmm. out like, can we build out the harmonies? And I think that that kind of speaks to a lot of the changes over the years. A lot of the changes and a lot of like the different avenues we've gone down. Because I think in Lulu, what's interesting and fun for me as someone making it is like every song kind of goes down a little bit of a different avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of that was born out of like, all right, we feel inspired by this. Or like when Isaac was writing, um, you are going to miss me. And we were, when we wrote that together, like we were playing around with a Django Reinhardt music <laughs> and like just, mm-hmm. oh, this is just something we're interested in and we're going to go down this road. And what does it call for? Mm-hmm. And so just being open to what the songs were calling for, not necessarily mm-hmm. what we felt like we needed to sound like which I think is yeah. kind of, like King's felt, is a m- great record. I'm very proud of it. Um, but we were like, okay, we have to sound, it has to sound clean, it has to sound professional, it has to sound like this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with Lulu, it was finally like, oh, what is this song calling for? Like, mm-hmm. what does it need in order to really hit home? Or like, what does it need in order to be, to tell the story? So Yeah, I was going to ask, um, you said this album, Lulu, was a little bit more like you focused on the production a lot and like working with someone. Do you think about playing them live? Like when you're writing the songs, do you think about playing them live or do you think of that as a separate thing from like the album? And how do you like meld those together? Because you guys are a touring band. Yeah, that was a really big question. I mean, when we're writing music, we're always singing about the live. Okay. So everything that starts, starts in a place of like, well, what are we doing on stage? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what we did for Lulu is uh, after we felt like all the songs were written, we we went out to, or mostly written, um, we went out to a cabin for a few days, and we just, like, recorded, we demoed all of them out exactly like we were going to record them. And then we would sit around and say, what if this had keys? And then I would play Mm -hmm. really terrible keys in there. Or, like, (laughs) what if we tried this idea or that idea? And so we came in with a lot of ideas. Mm. And a lot of what we were talking about... um, in the studio, uh, basically, a quite, uh, something we talk about like every hour is um, deviation versus progression. So when does an idea deviate from what we feel like we are as an artist? Even though it's a cool idea, when is it deviating from like what we do as artists and who we feel like we are as a band mm-hmm. versus like this is a progression, like this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard like when you're a live band, your kind of main thing is your live show and you don't make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Because like, well, yeah, we want like a drummer, but like, right. do we have the van space and the pay and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff? But one thing that we found throughout is that we had a lot of trumpet, a mm-hmm. lot of brass, 
lot it's easy of to fit that in the car and yeah and you know we were talking about it with our producer and he said you know you gotta stop saying someday mm-hmm. we're gonna do this and he's like you gotta go make the music you wanna make mm-hmm. and so like what's a step in that direction and uh, we didn't really talk about it and then like two months later I was like we're gonna hire a trumpet player and the girls <laughs> were like "Our what <laughs> um, I mean they were excited but uh-huh. um, and so we started looking around Hmm. And uh, that's that's hard to know when you do a lot of. And was this while you were stuff. already in the recording process? We of already Lulu? done. You already finished. Yeah. Okay. So this so is this... probably in July or August. We recorded in January, February, and then July, August. I was like, we're gonna we're gonna mm-hmm. hire somebody. Mm-hmm. We're, we need to start looking for somebody. Oh, and cool. um, so when we started looking around. So Dawson, quick question for you: How did you you? I mean. Is it all by ear? Did you just listen to the album and like figure it out, or did you write new stuff? Um, what was the process of kind of joining in and playing such strong parts throughout? I learned the record, and then I said, "Hey, but what about this?" And then um, I showed them some new ideas, and they pretty much were like, "If it sounds good, let's <laughs> go for it." Um, and I'm not the—I mean, I like to think I'm not the type of um, musician who just kind of plays, sort of outside of what sonically might fit. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a trouble, I didn't have trouble like hearing what could be added and what could be taken from the record. Some of the parts in, on the record is great, mm-hmm. um, but live, some of that space can be filled up and some energy mm-hmm. can, can be um, added. So that's my answer. That's pretty cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. It's cool. I'm really excited to see you guys play tomorrow. Um, but one of the, I've seen some clips of y'all playing and it's been just like on your in- social media and all that. Um, it's again, just really cool to see the progression from like the last few tours versus this one. It's, it's a much, I mean, the energy has always been there, but it's just such a distinct now there's, there's so it's, I don't want to say cleaner, like you were sloppy before, but just, it just seems like you guys are so much more constantly bouncing back and forth within each other. And Soph and Dawson are doing this thing over there. And then Isaac and Soph are doing this thing, you know, those kinds of things that that's why, that's why I love live music is seeing the musicians within the band, um, reacting to each other. So I'm really excited to see you guys tomorrow. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're Uh, excited for you to come. (laughs) I think, and I think that that's kind of the biggest when people are like, how is it adding another instrument? And Mm. I was like, actually the best part has been just adding a person who we, who like, I personally like, I can connect with Dawson on stage, even though Mm -hmm. sometimes it's, I still am getting used to it. Cause I'm, we've been, we were a trio for a a while Mm -hmm. and I was just always, and even when we were, we had a banjo, the banjo used to be on the other side of the stage. So mm-hmm. I used to just, you know, my right-hand side, I'm just, my bass is yeah. turned this way. I'm <laughs> looking at Isaac to my left, and that's all I would do, mm-hmm. you know, and dance around and stuff like that. But um, so it's to- it's a really fun adjustment to be like, no, I got, I got to, mm-hmm. I got to be cognizant and like interact mm-hmm. on both sides. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes, some shows are better than others. And sometimes I'm like, I'm so sorry, Dawson. I did not <laughs> look you in the eyes for six songs. Yeah, I actually just stand still, so it's really fun. I basically just stand still and stare at the back of your head. And <laughs> it's really awkward for the audience, but, but when you finally look at me, then we can, then yeah. we can really go <laughs> we get it going. <laughs> but because that's something I love is when 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 I see someone on stage like actually mm-hmm. have real interaction right. with each other that yeah. is not that is not just like. 
I'm here, you're here, da da da. But it's just, it's so much fun, and I think that for me, it's also yeah that it, that's added a lot too. Where like see every night, and when we do, you're gonna miss me. I'm like, okay, is Dawson going to leave the building? Let's see. Uh, uh. <laughs> like, no <who> spoilers. <laughs> um, but it's just yeah, it is really fun, and I think that there's a lot more especially with the interaction between the violin and trumpet, Mm -hmm. because the trumpet is brass and you have the strings of the violin, those two tones together are really interesting. And because a a lot of the stuff on the record, there's a lot of stuff on Light Kings and also Lulu where it's the banjo and the violin going back and forth. But to hear that, like on the haunting, to hear the trumpet Mm -hmm. and the violin is Mm -hmm. just so interesting. And it adds like a totally different, flavor mm-hmm. to stuff yeah. which is really and fun. on the page of like the musicians going back and forth and interacting thing like it's so it's really <coughs> fun for me having now another melodic instrument mm. um mm-hmm. that i get to that's and dawson's uh, very much an improviser and um i we haven't really had that presence in our band you know they've been there's been a lot of set parts and um, so it, it's fun to have, s- and our songs are very tightly arranged, mm-hmm. but it's fun to have sections now where there is this conversation and there is a back and mm. forth and space mm-hmm. for that. And that's, that adds an element of like, it's exciting because mm-hmm. it's like w- something new is going to happen mm-hmm. tonight. And there's a section where something really cool could happen mm-hmm. or I could really mess up. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's cool for audiences too. Cause I bet like, obviously they like to see the like perfected piece, but then to s- be able to like witness something that is completely new to them each like just that audience i think that's cool right. so that's really totally yeah it is new every night and uh you call me an improviser but sophie's a, is also an incredible improviser so it's been really awesome to be able to play with a fiddle or violin depending violin. on song sophie's a violinist e- either one but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't um, play fiddle music <laughs> fiddlers would get mad if i said i played yeah we music. we don't want to we yeah. don't want to film the fiddlers. Um, the majority and, uh, of our demographic are fiddlers. Yeah. <laughs> it was strange. Before I got uh, a mysterious message from uh, an Instagram account with Isaac's face on it, um, I got super into trumpet and violin music mm. that played mm-hmm. together. And it's really weird how that all worked out. Because mm-hmm. now, every night... I'm playing with the violin player. <laughs> and I'm like, when I say got into, I mean like I got obsessed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like all I listened to for just COVID. Con- wow. It's like, wow. I was like, I need to do this. Um, I actually, I started playing at this local church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, where I'm from, mm-hmm. um, just so I could play with a violin player that played there. Mm. Because I wanted to know like, okay, I need to start playing with a violin player. Mm-hmm. And um Shout out to uh, St. James the Greater. And uh, it's just been so crazy that now this is what I'm doing full time. It's awesome. And that's all I have for you. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) It's cool to see. I always think it's cool to hear, like, depending on the instrument you play, the way you think about music, the way you talk about music, varies slightly. And so it's cool to hear the the trumpet perspective and the violin perspective. And the, I mean, even just like songwriter to. to performer is different and stuff like that, which that kind of, so then going back just a little bit, when writing a song, is it typically, is it one of you comes with an idea or is it y'all together get together or is it, and if it's starting to come with an idea, is it a lyric, is it a melody, you know what I mean? What's what's kind of the evolution 
typical, and I know I assume it's different a little bit. Yeah, it changes from song to song for sure. Um, especially with now that we're a four piece, like, and uh, it's it's interesting adding somebody new. Um, because what you don't realize the first time you add somebody new to your musical group is all of the com- all of the components that have to kind of click together. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we've hired people before that were amazing musicians and understood our music mm-hmm. phenomenally and how to add to it, but like can't get along in the car or, yeah. you know, and there are different reasons that everything has to work together. Right. So it's been really fun to um, add somebody and you're kind of like, oh, this is terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like asking somebody to get married and like live with you mm-hmm. and work with you without knowing them really, you mm-hmm. know? So, mm-hmm. um, you have to get together. You have to get along in the car, and they have to be good at their instrument, and mm-hmm. they have to be, they have to understand the music and like what are you going for in the music, and they also have to, they also have to bring, be able to be themselves within what they bring, you know, instrument mm-hmm. wise, and um, and so you know we j- we have a brand new song we're working on, and it's like in the end stages. And we've been working on it as a four piece, and that's been the first thing we've worked on. And it's, you know, that's a scary moment of like, okay, mm-hmm. well, all these things have worked. What about like getting in the room and collaborating? And that's mm-hmm. been fantastic, um, as well. What was the question? Just kind of the progression. Like, where does the idea start? And, yeah. And then so where do you bring it from there. A lot of where it starts is, um, I'll come up, I'll come up with an idea, and oftentimes I'll write a whole song, like all of the form and the words and everything, and I'll bring in ideas and. Sometimes that song stays very similar and parts get added and sometimes it gets all moved around because mm-hmm. um, we are a collective and we want to be, um, when we work together and we write, we want it to be collective as well. Um, but I tend to spearhead the, the first part of it for sure and have a lot of the ideas and, and do a lot of the songwriting. Um, but for that song... Um, this new one? This new one. one. It's called Sticks and Stones, and um, we, we've tried it out the last few nights, and we've made it all the way through, which has been awesome. <laughs> um, but, like, I came in with a very, a pretty fully-fledged song. Mm-hmm. Um, I demoed it out because the, each, uh, Sophie and Dawson both live um, a little over an hour away from Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... We demoed it out together. We demoed it out together. Um, and you know, sent it to these guys and we sent it to our producer and, um, and got tons of feedback, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like our producer was like, I'm not digging this tune too much. <laughs> <Really? you know? laughs> um, it, which is like an important, like yeah. if you have mm-hmm. someone you trust and my little, right. I was a little broken hearted. Right. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's an important step. And, and mm-hmm. then, you know, all four of us, us were like, we think the song's dope. So, <laughs> um, but it gave us a chance to like revisit it and, I rewrote a lot of my ukulele parts. Um, and then, of course, you start adding stuff, too, like the trumpet and the keys mm-hmm. and the violin. And it's so much fun always to see something where you're like, this song's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then a week later, after you bring it into the group, you're like, that song was a skeleton. Like, yeah. it's alive yeah. now, you know? Yeah. And that's so fun to see it kind of come to life. And we've been trying it out on... St- we've been trying it out at the shows that have been going really well. Mm-hmm. So if it's going really well, mm-hmm. then we'll be like, you want to hear one that's like not really done yet, <laughs> but like we can play it. And then everybody's like, that'd be so fun. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we're still kind of uh, 
botching some harmonies here mm-hmm. or there or missing moments where we're coming in. And mm-hmm. it, it's so fun to kind of see that come to life over the last couple nights. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and But I think different things can happen. Uh, I, we were in South Carolina on Friday morning and uh, we were going to be working on parts for this song. And I went and sat out on the back porch and I was like, I'm... I'm nailing this song. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to work yeah. on. So, you know, I've been playing it for a month and a half mm-hmm. by myself. So, um, I just had an idea come to me and, um, you know, Dawson wandered outside and we started jamming on this little melody line and then Tori and then Sophie came out and we spent a good 40 minutes, just like something totally fresh, no mm-hmm. words, no nothing, just a little progression that I was playing with a melody and already, like, we were like, oh, this is, like, something we're going to put in our back pockets and probably mm-hmm. this is the next thing, like, I'm going to be focusing on. And so mm-hmm. that was super collaborative. Mm-hmm. And um, it's fun. I mean, I, I, going back to the idea of, like, not sticking to one exact sound is, like, mm-hmm. the, the song we just wrote is, I think, a lot more along the lines of where we're going, which is kind of that that more into that folk pop sound, like Lake mm-hmm. Street Dive-esque mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, but, like, this one, off the bat, like, I'm like, this is, like, sounds a lot like Fleet Foxes meets, like, mm. Sushan Stevens. Like, it's, oh, wow. it's, like, a lot <laughs> more, like, yeah. a lot vibier and uh, really high yeah. singing. And yeah. <laughs> you say they're different, but the Oh Hellos were inspired by both of them as oh, well. Oh, I believe it. Which I think is really oh. interesting. I like to hear all the bands, inspir- when they have a very distinct sound, and then you hear the inspirations, and you're like, how did you, you took all these sounds <laughs> and then created this brand new, unique thing. Oh, yeah. Which I think is really cool. Um, well, so just, we don't have to harp on this too much longer, but just like as a really specific example, um, like Blessed Boy, that's, did you come in and say, hey, here's this song and I'm thinking strings come in here or you, did you record the song and then so for Tori said, hey, what if we added strings here or? Yeah, that was an interesting um, one. So I have been working, I went through this writing rut, uh, basically 2018 through 20 into 2020, oh. I wrote two songs. And I would sit down and write. Which was a streak for a while, nothing. probably. Yeah, yeah, like, I, like, was, I had nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was panicking. And, you know, every month, it's like, when you go full-time, it's like, well, I have to write something. Mm-hmm. Like, we need something new, because we need a pair of rent, and we need to put out, an, and it's just mm-hmm. like, couldn't get anything anywhere. Everything I was writing was just terrible. <laughs> um, and basically, I had been working on that, that melody for a while, and I had been, I really wanted to write something for uh, my grandfather. Mm-hmm. And um, in 2020, we once we came off the road, and I was like, oh, you can't tour nine months out of the year mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. terrible conditions and sleep on floors and never have time to yourself and make no money mm-hmm. and get enough rest to be reflective, which is what writing takes is time to reflect. Um, and so we wrote the whole record, like basically – April to April to December of 2020 and um, Blessed Boy was interesting because it was written in one session uh, mm. which is pretty unusual for me mm-hmm. um, and basically when my uh, when my grandfather went on hospice I was like oh mm-hmm. I'm gonna regret not mm-hmm. finishing this song mm-hmm. and I have theoretically I have three hours Mm-hmm. If I want to finish this song before he passes away, like, I have to write this song now. And so I just sat down, and it just kind of came out. Um, and 
it was going to just be a the first ever song that was just me playing guitar and singing. Mm-hmm. And then when we went out to the cabin to demo everything out, you know, I had demoed it out, which is just mm-hmm. me playing and singing it. And um, so, uh, that morning before we left, we were packing things up. And I was like, I've got this idea for strings in this song. So we packed up everything except for just like a laptop, a mic, and the, the bass and the violin mm-hmm. in this big open space. Like we tried it out and we're like, that's the idea. And we ended that and we're like, we're going home. <laughs> and um, so that one was, that's a we- that was a weird one writing wise for sure. Cause it just, it Cause just you had the plan for it to and, be that way. And then yeah, all of a sudden we're like, wait a second, let's add this. I think, and, yeah. This yeah, needs this thing. And, hmm. and that's been a really, that's really been one of my favorite ones to play live now. Mm-hmm. And I love, I think for me, my, what I love about that string part is that it is like, I envision the song as if it was an illustrated story. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I love imagining, like you see that you see him as the gardener and then you see an orchard grow up behind mm-hmm. him. So it actually like the strings are the trees. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that to me was like, Oh, it's just, such a satisfying mm-hmm. beautiful moment and i love i love when the music can really enhance the story for people right. and so it's that one was so yeah it was so satisfying and i i think that it because when we recorded it isaac recorded vocals and guitar at the same time so he just for the final version that made it on yeah, the album oh, cool. in the studio so that was the only one where we didn't do separate tracks mm-hmm. um but we did do the strings separate because mm-hmm. we just wanted it to be Isaac right. in the room. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. Just real, were you listening to a click or were you just no. playing it? No, I, I just play it. Um, nice. That one, one thing that I want to give a shout out to our producer on this and why one of the reasons we love him is uh, that was one of my favorite things to record just because, well, it's my one of my favorites to play live because it makes people cry and I just want people to cry. <laughs> uh, if people can cry, I feel like I can go to bed easy. Yeah. So, <laughs> Um, but Why don't you just be a big old jerk to the love? I guess so. That's, <laughs> um, but you know, at the end of that song, it kind of comes out of that last piece, and I sing that "Blessed Boy," and it goes as in rather than like fading out or doing something, mm-hmm. it kind of does this and um, that was well, one of the only notes of the whole record where our producer was like, "I'm not sure this is the move." Mm. because what it tells the listeners is that this song is going to progress and what you're going to make them feel mm. potentially is that the song is going to keep going and they feel like it should be done. Mm-hmm. And so you're almost tricking them. Right. Mm. Or they're going to feel like it's going to keep going and they get excited and then it's over. And yeah. Feel, but yeah, more yeah, yeah. Right. probably that they're going to be right. like, it's going to keep going. Right. That's where it should have ended. <laughs> um, but he, he was like, just trust me. Let's try something. And we tried a bunch of different stuff. And he was like, how are you feeling? And I was like, I know it's the wrong move from like mm. an industry perspective. I feel really strongly. And he was like, you know, the, the art comes first. So if you feel really strongly about this, especially you've been like really open about like trying ideas and stuff, but mm-hmm. if you feel strongly on this one, like let's, let's sit on it for the night mm-hmm. and come back tomorrow. And like, and that's one where I came back and I was like, I know it might be the wrong thing mm-hmm. to do, but it's, I think, uh, think it needs to be this way and he was like then it's the right thing you know and <laughs> mm-hmm. so i really appreciate that yeah. um and that kind of goes back to like the the process and how great of a time we had in the studio absolutely mm-hmm. he's he's got an incredible balance when it comes to that kind of thing and that's 
I can't believe that we found him in our hometown. Like yeah. The studios <laughs> in Rochester, Minnesota. And it, yeah, he is able to give critiques and suggest things that we wouldn't have otherwise thought about and also uh, give input and be passionate about that input but also have us have the last say if there's mm. a moment like what Isaac just described where there's just something in him where it's like, I think this is the right choice. Mm -hmm. he, he sees that because <coughs> um, I think that's a important thing for a musician is sometimes you just, you're just like, I, right. I have to do this for mm. my song, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's really, did you? Oh, go ahead. Well, so that's something that we like to talk about is kind of that, like you have this, this gut feeling and we spend a lot of time ourselves isolating ourselves in our own little rooms and trying to figure out how to articulate those gut feelings mm -hmm. and the two of us talking it out and all that. And I think there's a, there's a lot of importance to that. There's a lot of importance for, for, for you to say, here's my thought, here's my idea, here are my opinions in a very specific, concise way to communicate it clearly to someone who might not necessarily just trust your gut, you know? Um, and I think that's really interesting and important, but then also there are those times where it is just at this stage, you're not able to articulate what that gut feeling is and all that. Um, and it also made me think of on a more recent episode, we were talking about how to, just talking about the balance between creating the, 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 rest of the whole, I don't have to go with the whole backstory, but um, there's, there's creating art and there's doing it in a very like selfish way where you're going, I don't care if anyone likes this, I'm just going to do this. And, if it's genuinely that way, I don't think it's selfish. If you're just saying, you know, I'm, I like to paint and I don't care, you know, I'm not submitting it to galleries necessarily, I don't want to sell it necessarily, or you just like writing songs and you don't do anything with it just because you like it, that's great. But there's that, like, maybe this isn't, this is a longer thing. But there's this balance of, like, creating something for others. When you have an audience built up and they say, hey, we like you for these reasons, and you say, cool, and but then what happens if those reasons you decide, like you guys have decided, hey, banjo doesn't really fit anymore, so we're, we're moving away from banjo kind of and going, we're bringing trumpet in. What if people hate, your old fans who love banjo hate trumpet? You know, I mean, that's a risk that every band takes, and you, I think, you, you know, every time a band I love puts out a new album, I love talking to my friends about it because they say, oh, oh, I like the last album because of these reasons, and I go, oh, interesting. I didn't like that necessarily, mm -hmm. and I like the new album because of, you know what I mean? How do you balance and... Because like, in short, it's kind of a question of, like, are you... what? Where's your, fo like your focus right. more? And obviously, it's like, a, I mean, we say it's a balance, balance. Thing, but mm -hmm. that can be kind mm -hmm. of, like, vague. Yes. Or whatever. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I think... Um, Wait, what was the question? Kind of Sorry. When, when creating things and... Um, and you've, you've been creating things and people like it and they mm -hmm. like it for very specific reasons and then you alter, you, it changes. Oh. And your reasoning for yeah. doing it has changed how to, and their relationship well, to it then changes. I probably have a much shorter answer because it's not, it doesn't come from like the bedlam. Yeah. Right. I think if you have fans, they're going to be your fans throughout. And mm -hmm. if, if you're doing what you love, people notice that and they will support what you, what you want to do and what you love to do. Mm -hmm. So that's my short answer. Oh, that's a good short answer. I also have a thought on this. That I, <laughs> I keep, sorry. Everyone's sorry. chiming I, in. I didn't, I didn't mean to be that for that to come out so assertively, but we talk about this a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I kind you, you talked about like, is it? Does it become? I don't know if, if you meant like self-serving. 
Uh, right. I'm not saying you guys are doing that at all. I'm, not well, saying, no, I'm, just, no, I'm but, just saying sometimes that can cut, artists can present new things and it, and it sounds kind of pretentious. Yeah. Because they're saying, like, I don't care about your opinion. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Kind of and that yeah. can seem a little like, especially with independent musicians, where you can say, but we helped you get where you are mm-hmm. in a way to an extent. And now you're saying you don't care about yeah. our yeah. thoughts. And so that's, sorry, a, that's a really interesting thought because it's like, you are, it's not, we're not just creating it for us anymore. Mm-hmm. We're also creating right. it for people who are listening and then love us and, and help us and stuff like that. Um, and we think about like, what will our audience enjoy in the live show? We think about that a lot, but I, I think the balance comes in where you're thinking, what will the audience love? And also the music itself takes on a life of its own. So Mm -hmm. you're, you're not, you're not just, it feels, I don't know, maybe this is too, but it feels like you're still serving like this other thing that has its own Mm -hmm. life and has its own breath. That's based very much on your preferences and your interests, but it mm-hmm. still feels like, I don't know. That was my vague kind of confusing sort of thought <laughs> answer. <laughs> that kind of makes sense though. Yeah. I feel like for me, because as we've been, you know, talking to different industry people, right. Mm-hmm. And they've been asking us like, what would you call your band or what would you mm-hmm. call you? I feel like when I listen to our music and when I listen to us play it, I feel feel like the through line because we do a lot of different stuff mm-hmm. we've always done like within songs like ah mm-hmm. you thought you were getting a loud song psych yeah. it's a soft <laughs> song um so i feel like we've always kind of that's been kind of our thing mm-hmm. is that we don't we kind of weave weave and bob and i think that the through line has been that we do we do what makes us passionate and happy mm-hmm. that like we write from a place of passion, we, and we write songs that mean something very specific to us, mm-hmm. and me and that are speaking that aren't just like, oh, I'm gonna write a song about that girl at the bar, mm-hmm. you know, like which totally fine to have songs about <laughs> girls at like bars. Sounds like you think it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I think that that's a, that we write songs, write different kinds of songs, and our songs are very specific to uh, to mm-hmm. our human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I'm thinking of my own writing, like, in Salt, I was really worried about it sounding generic. Mm-hmm. I was really scared of, like, the the main lo- the main lyric, hold on. I was like, oh, my gosh, how many mm-hmm. songs have, have that in it? And I was like, what's going to make this song different from any other song? And how is it going to stand out? Um, and I think that you kind of just have to, like Sophie said, follow what the song is calling for. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hear my favorite bands do. Like mm. the Avid Brothers. Right. I might not like every song they write. I might not enjoy every, you know, all the new, all the newer stuff personally, mm-hmm. but I respect that they write from an authentic place mm. and I can mm-hmm. hear it. Like same with the Oh Hellos. I feel like they, they write, they, they go where the rabbit hole takes them. Mm. And I really love that kind of writing. Um, and so I think that for me, it's like, we're we're playing with all these new sounds and, and these new textures and colors and like if you're writing things that make you excited and make you passionate, then mm-hmm. that's gonna show. That's mm-hmm. and that's what you want. It's like I'd rather just write things that inspire us rather than being than constantly having a voice saying like, Well, who's gonna listen to this? Right. And if you're constantly letting that rule what you write, it's like kind of inhibits it, it inhibited me at least mm-hmm. i was scared to write something 
unoriginal. Mm-hmm. For sure. Do you feel like you guys have a lot of, I mean, most of you have like acting backgrounds where you're used to telling stories. Do you think that helps? Like, I think it helps us somewhat of like, it's kind of innate in you how to build a story so it can come like the arc and things like some mm-hmm. more easily than, than maybe, I don't know. That's, I don't know if that's a question. But I, <laughs> question. Yeah. Um, I do have a thought on this. I've just been, I've been hearing my own voice a lot in the last hour. Um, <laughs> but one short thing that I think I've been thinking about in the way I like to think about it. Um, the reason I want to write music is not because I want to sit in my bedroom and I enjoy playing the guitar and like singing. Like it's not an outlet for me to like take a deep breath at the end of the day. Really mm-hmm. the reason I write and the reason I want to write and I want to do it f- full time. Well, other than just that, I, I'm not good at, at anything else and I'm okay <laughs> at this. So, um, but one thing is, is that I want an, a, a communal experience. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Sophie was talking about kind of the through line of Good Morning Bedlam's music. And I think the through line of our music thematically is longing. And um, one way that plays itself out, I think, is um, it's a terrifying and and you you get so much adrenaline out of this idea of here's my heart or here's my thoughts. And you put it out there and the terrifying part is that nobody else is going to feel that way. They're going to say, what? But when you do that and you see somebody say, I felt that way always, and mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody else felt that way, that's, that's like, that's the high of right. getting to perform, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it is a community experience. And I think just like in your personal relationships, when you have your tight community around you, what are they there for? They're there, um to do a bunch of different things. You know, mm-hmm. if you're being really hard on yourself and trying, you know, it's their job to say, just relax. Like, we're going to mm-hmm. enjoy you just by being you. Mm-hmm. And there are other times where you need your community to come out and challenge what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, <laughs> I feel like you could do better. Uh-huh. You, could, you could work a little bit harder. Or, and I think that happens musically, too. Right. Mm-hmm. There are times where you're... you're you're just like, well, this song is not enough. Like, it's not cool enough. It's not special enough. And it's your community, your musical tight community to come around you and say, trust us on this one. Right. I think it's fine. It's simple. It's good. And there are other times where you bring a song in that you're feeling great about mm-hmm. it. And they challenge that. They say, you know, I just don't think this is where it should be. And, and that's a give, and, a give and take, just like in your regular relationships. There are times where you come back and you say, you know what? Trust me on this one. But if you're good at giving and receiving criticism within trust of mm-hmm. one another, that what you want is the best for one another. And then in, in your personal and then in music, you want the best for what's what you're creating. Then you can have that back and forth in your, your community helps you strike that balance of, I think we need to push this a bit more or right. it's, this is great, you know, in, in, and then those that kind of goes out further and further into your listeners or into your acquaintances or, but I think you always start with that tight community, right? Right, mm-hmm. and so that built has to, that trust has to be built, like with our producer. You know, it takes a bunch of times of him saying, like, I think we, sh- I don't think this is where it's hit. It needs to hit exactly, mm-hmm. and that, in me trusting those enough times, so that when I say, I think 
you're wrong on this one. This mm-hmm. time, trust me, he can do that. After hearing that, I'm able to take critique. Right. And the same the other way. It's like, he's given me enough, like, I think you've nailed it in this part, in this part, in this part. Mm-hmm. So that when he does bring in criticism, um, I can trust that. Right. That he wants what's best for the music. And you see that in your personal relationships as well. So, And that's something that, that kind of Liv and I have struggled with to an extent because it's, I've struggled with this. And we've talked a little bit about it. But just because our immediate musical community is just the two of us at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for me to say, oh, that was horrible. And Liv to say, I think it was fine. And it's kind of a 50-50 split at this point. We're used to working with bigger groups yeah. where it was a lot easier to throw out ideas. And it's going to be hard to trust. Yeah. Right. And so when it's like seven people saying, hey, man, don't worry about it. We'll move on. Let's uh, Maybe it was bad, but let's move on to something else for now or whatever it may be. It was a lot easier to go, okay, cool. Well, the majority of the room is going this direction, but because I'm larger than Liv, um, I, (laughs) um, I feel like our, so we've taken, um, our music by getting critiqued by playing it, I think. Right. Because you, you are in the room, right. And you're playing and it sounds one way, but then you go perform it and you're like, whoa, that was a lot better. Or it was, oh, that was not very good. It's so, I mean, that's the thing is like when we, when we are rehearsing stuff and it's like us sitting there standing and we're like a foot apart face to face. That is so different from being in a room that's like six times the size and you're both facing the same direction and there's noise going on around you. And that's like, you kind of, you can't account for that, but like, Kinda it's how kind of amazing you, how drastically the songs change just right, by yeah. setting. Right. Even yeah. just us now rehearsing in here versus them going out in the backyard and playing it once or right. something like that is like, oh, this is very different. That's what I always feel like that whenever we go through our system, like we can practice the song mm-hmm. a ton of times, mm-hmm. but the minute that you go through microphones and we have in-ear monitors, mm-hmm. the minute you get into that, it's totally mm-hmm. different. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I need to practice this. In the- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds different to me. Yeah. And also, I think the added element is the audience responding. Right, so, right. Like, what are people responding to? Because right. there are certain songs on our set that, like, when we first premiered them before other songs started coming mm-hmm. live, mm-hmm. they were the ones that people loved. And then yeah. now that we have, now that we have new stuff, you start to hear like, oh, they really responded to this. Like mm-hmm. the minute mm-hmm. that we started, that Isaac, we added Blessed Boy to the mm-hmm. set list, yeah. like, oh, people responded. After that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And we were like, you, you know, you just kind of feel out, okay, when there's a hush that comes over the room, you feel it. Right. And yeah. um, it's, so, it's so invigorating and exciting to like feel people respond to something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also like humbling <laughs> in those moments where you're like, Oh, that song did not work. <laughs> that yeah. Uh, yeah. that harmony did not sound good. Mm-hmm. And and just and then hearing how people respond. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's live music, so right. nothing's perfect. But right. it's that's what makes it worth doing, and, and that's what makes it exciting. Yeah, to do. Mm-hmm. I'm just so glad we are, like we almost decided to record the album that we yeah. wrote before we start performing. But we made that conscious decision of like. We don't have enough people yeah. like giving input on this. It would so. be like a seven-year process <laughs> and we started then, which it may still be, but it's like the actual time spent actively working on recording it. Maybe yeah. anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Cool. So um, this has been a lot of fun, and we could talk about this for a very long time, but just one last round. What are some of the best and or worst um, tour experiences y'all have had? You're talking about the Our chaotic eight-week tour. Or what are the best places you performed at? Give us some of the good, the bad, and the ugly of Good Morning Bedlam. I'll give it good. Um, There's this little town in Iowa called Sioux Center. 
So it's not Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Okay. It's not Sioux City, Iowa. <laughs> it's directly between them. It's a town of 800 people. Well, it's the center. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> is that actually why it's called that? It's I don't, I don't know. I think okay. it's on some line. But oh, okay. it's called Sioux Center. We There's this little place called the Fruited Plain, and they've got a venue in the back called the Backback, and we showed up there four years ago. Um, and we kind of showed up and we're like, where is this? Like, there's a ton of 800 people. Mm, I'm oh not wow. sure. Like, this is okay. Right. Like, it's kind of like a garage venue. Like, mm-hmm. just dirty and, mm-hmm. like, unassuming. And that has become our number one favorite place to play. Really? Out of all of our touring. Um, when That night, it was like, it was weird. We had not put out our record like Kings yet, but like a ton, a ton of people showed up. Really? And they all knew the words to our songs that had not been released. And they had been <sighs> watching us on YouTube. Oh. And um, it was crazy. And like, even like the next time we went there, we were like, okay, I think that might have been a fluke. <laughs> Let's go back. Maybe see what we had a bad dream yeah. or something. And we've been back there like five or six times and every time it's become like an experience. Um, mm-hmm. Like the whole town comes in. It's a, it's a small college town too. Mm-hmm. So it's almost all like eight, it's like tons of 18 to 24 year olds. Right. And they, it's like a thing now when we come to town, um, we played do they there. close down streets and everything? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not too hard. Um, but uh, so you probably lay down street. and it's probably they, a stop sign. They know all of the words, and it's just they have they, dance moves. They have choreographed they have dance, so cool. moves. dance moves. They mosh. They yeah. crowd surf. Yeah. They um, they cry. They they're just like, <laughs> like yeah. It is the like just one of the most wild places wow. to play, and we're we're playing there in two weeks, and. Um, our first time there, apparently, there was a new group of freshmen that had just started at the college, and that's like our main group. Like they traveled up to Minneapolis for our oh, release. Really? Like, um, and they are all graduating in two weeks, and we're playing at the oh, venue that they all graduate. And um, so, it's kind of like this last hurrah before they all leave. And we still have taught like. Uh-huh. Apparently, we are the Sioux Center <laughs> band because uh, they can't seem but to get rid of us. So. You don't know how, like, just that accumulated. Just well, that's the thing. I mean, crazy. that's the thing that people, you know, that don't play music don't realize is like, well, you could go to the venue that's in the middle of nowhere where they are used to having to drive two hours to see mm. music. Mm-hmm. They can so go down right. the street and they yeah. can see live music. Like, that's right. special for them mm-hmm. yeah. in a different way than, or you go to Chicago. For six and a half freaking years to play to three people over and over again. On uh-huh. Friday night, play to three uh-huh. people. Which because there's 1,000 <laughs> other things to do in Chicago rather than go well, see Well, that's Good really Bedlam. interesting. We were, we've played over in Franklin, which is only like 30 minutes yeah. away or something like that. And have gotten just like people are, I mean, it's, like, it's kind of an older demographic. Yeah. But especially when you bring out like the jazz tunes, they're just like, this is so nice. And I'm like, like you're you. like they, a minute they... from Nashville. Like it's yeah. Nashville right over there. Why are you so impressed? But I think it's that same thing where it's like they walked out of their front door, turned the corner and were like, oh, cool. Oh, I didn't a have jazz to drive 40 duo. minutes. Yeah. I don't Nashville have to worry about parking. And, yeah. I don't have to worry about, yeah, all those things. We like it there. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's mine. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of a, a, 
a bad experience. I, I know we... Ooh, I have one. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Never mind. Don't have to think anymore. <laughs> um, um, can we... Yeah, this is... I'll tell. I'll start with one, and then I'll ask if I can tell another in that genre. Wait, what's the... What is it? So we were, we were playing this big competition. Um, John Hartford Memorial <laughs> Band Festival competition. And we had a show the night before, and then we had a drive, and we get into the festival grounds at like... One in the morning. We're staying with That's a couple. The perfect time. Who exactly? We needed sleep before uh, the morning co- band competition. Oh which, oh why, wow! Why would you do that to a band? Anyway, <laughs> so you played a show, drove a while, mm-hmm. have to sleep for a minute, and then play right away. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. For a contest. We were also we wanted to throw up because we showed up at this freaking string festival, and we're like, "What are we doing here? Like everybody Blue here Fest. are jammers. Like we're competing oh. against like." Mm-hmm. Like what are we doing? We don't fit in here. <laughs> like we shouldn't be here. Yes. Right. But we get there and we're staying with this couple who we absolutely love, who randomly put us up one night. Captain Mike, yes. Mike. a real riverboat captain. I'm a real a riverboat real captain. <laughs> <laughs> and as we call her, Auntie Vera, Aunt Vera. Aunt Vera. Aunt Vera. She was from Russia. She was. She was Russian, long. But not anymore. <laughs> she moved to. She really slowed down. Oh really? <laughs> Captain Captain Mike really liked to make the joke. He's like, Yeah, she's a mail order bride. But she, she then she'd be like, I'm not. I'm not mail order. But she would be. She was like, But I'm flat. But I'm flat. Um, she's got this long blonde hair she wears a beret she smokes this long e-vape cigarette oh nice it's like a long cigarette but it's a vape (laughs) so kind of like Edna Mode but a more trendy Edna Mode type thing yes in a way and taller and a psychologist oh wow so interesting and a riverboat captain and he's a real riverboat captain and we'll tell you that a real riverboat captain for a conversation um but he he Golfs up, he golfs up, he comes up in his golf cart <laughs> and goes, Hey, we're, we get there, we're like, Okay, we're gonna get to sleep because we're staying mm-hmm. uh, with them in their camper. Mm-hmm. And he drives up on his little golf cart, him and Vera, swinging around, mm-hmm. him in his big Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> it's a very big man with a very small head. And, <laughs> and um, we love him. And he goes, Hey, any of you know how to pick a lock? <laughs> Oh, no. And we're like, "Uh, why, Captain Mike? And he's like, well, Vera here left the keys inside the camper. And Vera's like, yes. (laughs) Some Russian thing. (laughs) Some Russian thing. (laughs) So he's really into culture. She knows a lot about it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, potatoes and vodka. (laughs) And... So we get on his little golf cart, and we get to the camper. We're like, all right, well, let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And we get there, and they're trying to figure it out. We're trying to get in the front door. It's late. We're tired. We mm-hmm. need to sleep before the contest. Um, and I see this tiny little... Uh, Sophie-sized hole? Sophie-sized <laughs> <laughs> um, window on the camper uh-huh. um, that like kind of opens up. Mm-hmm. And they were able to pry it. Well... Yes, that's, but it's, it's like up on top. So I look at it and I'm like, I think I could fit in that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, cool. So we grab the cooler. I get up on top of the cooler. We kind of push open the window and pry it open. And then I get my upper half in. And then Isaac and Captain Mike are pushing me <laughs> on the lower half. And Captain Mike's yelling, 
suck it in, squeeze, <laughs> squeeze your butt in. <laughs> I, I, I like get in and I've like got bruises on my thighs oh. and hips and um, step onto the little fold out kitchen table and I, I made it inside and I open the door from the inside and Vera's down, standing like calm and cool and collected um, at the steps of the camper and she goes, very good. Very sneaky. <laughs> you make you make good spy. So Vera. Okay. She has, like, Vera, she is exactly she, what you picked. Right. Okay. She has cool. opinions. Also, she will tell you. So we did this band competition and we played uh, our song "Devil's Waltz," and she loves that song. She was like, "This song will be your hit. This song will be your hit." But I I have one critique. Dun, why you have to call it devil song? <laughs> no one will listen if it's called devil's devil's song. That will turn people off. But good song, good song. And you're like, thank oh. you, Vera. Thank you. Vera. That's, that's funny. So funny. Yeah. I love it. Oh, oh. wow. Yeah, it's a good, a good story. Yeah, and that's not the only time I broke into a place. Yeah, <laughs> Sophie is spy. She's Sophie sneaky. Is, Sophie is spy. You'd make good spy. Very sneaky. Yeah. Anything? I have no, I have no bad stories from tour wow. that I can share <laughs> on, on the podcast. Con- contractually um, obligated. I my it. threshold for bad is pretty, pretty high. Mm. So bad is like either gross or just like people being gross. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so why'd you join this band? What's that? Why'd you join this band? You why? Gross people. <laughs> Man, um, but. Wow, so many good moments um, in forms of food, usually. Mm. So just a lot of good, great go. food that we experience on the road. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, a clean, bad one. I just cannot think of one. <laughs> I just can't think of it. I can think of it. I mean, I don't know if you were thinking of the food one that I'm thinking of, but the past weekend, the f- uh, we stay, We did a house show. It was like a... a produced house show that mm-hmm. we did mm-hmm. called the pines in chattanooga and the couple that runs it oh make the best make homemade everything everything, everything. Yeah. really they're amazing like they so before the, ha- the before the show they have like a brick oven and they make like they made over 40 pizzas oh, while wow. we during our show or before our show and whoever comes just like it's amazing pizza oh, wow. like homemade dough homemade sausage it's amazing. And then yeah. we they let us stay last night at their they have mm-hmm. a cottage out there. Out right oh, I saw I saw the pictures you guys are sharing. That yeah, looks super cool. So <laughs> nice and uh, so peaceful and they took us out to dinner at their son. He owns a restaurant. And it was like one thing after another. It was just like the pizza. I mm-hmm. ate so much pizza. It was all so good, mm-hmm. and then there was desserts, and Cocktails, then there was, wings, and then the morning that Great we woke company. Oh, the morning that Most we woke up, the first morning, they like made us homemade biscuits and in their wood fire like, oven. That's outside. a good way to wake oh, up. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> fig jam from a fig tree nearby. And like, oh yeah, it's eggs from, from down the road. <laughs> and you're just like <laughs> <laughs> plates that they found in the garbage can right at the bottom there. <laughs> Wait, really? Sweet I think that, yeah. I'm sorry. I totally hijacked you. I was done. But that food, though. Whew. I think, yeah, usually the best amount. I I think that for me, it's always like the specific people mm. that make it, that make a place mm-hmm. or that make a show mm-hmm. um, are like 
wow, I really connected with those people, like those kids from Sioux Center. Mm-hmm. They're our people. Or like mm-hmm. just the joy of getting to go to a certain town, to going to St. Petersburg, Florida. I know we're going to stay with these people who are our biggest cheerleaders. Like, mm-hmm. And we're going to have great yeah. shows. We're going to have great yeah. shows. Mm-hmm. And like it's it's been really fun, I think, since, because Dawson's our good luck charm. Um, <laughs> since he joined, it feels like those two things have been going together. Mm-hmm. Whereas like before it was like, oh, I you know, Birmingham is great because we love the people we stay with, but I wish we had mm-hmm. a great show here too. And now it mm. feels like those things when they line up and you get to play an awesome set to a good amount of people and then stay with someone you love. Mm-hmm. They're who, aligning. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's such a great feeling. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, one of the shows I'm trying to think from this tour so far from tours in general. Night one. Night one. Okay. Yeah. So that was right. Re- Sorry. I've been talking so much. Somebody else talk. <laughs> um, are you talking about Very the Coyote Kitchen? What happened? I was talking about the Coyote Kitchen. Well, th- that was night, technically night one of our tour. And um, one of the bands that we just ri- that we kind of have lived life alongside, Coyote mm-hmm. Kid, also formerly known as Mar in the Main Sale. Yeah. Oh, that's um, them. Yes. Okay, I knew they sounded them. familiar. Yes. Okay, so I didn't changed, know that. They changed their name a couple years back. But... Um, they like we really looked up to them because mm-hmm. we had been on the same label and they were like the big band. Mm-hmm. We did like a couple tours with them, and they just did their farewell show because um, they're mm-hmm. kind of stopping the band, and it was so emotional. It mm-hmm. was like it was just really f- it was fun to celebrate them like mm-hmm. that they were going out with a bang. They weren't just fizzling, mm-hmm. and that was a really cool experience. And it felt like I ugly cried through the whole set. Yeah, <laughs> it was just. <laughs> It was, we, I love, like, it's one of those things where I've seen them change and grow. I have different members, have, like, different mm-hmm. ideas, and and it's so cool to see their progression, and then just to be able to champion, to celebrate them, yeah. and, and say, mm-hmm. like, we honor what you did, and we can't wait to see where you all individually go, mm-hmm. um, and it was a really cool yeah. experience. Mm. Who's it? That was, yeah, that was really fun. And, like, just to see people travel, like, all across the Midwest, around the country, to, like, for their farewell show. Mm-hmm. And the show was just baller. <laughs> yeah, it slapped so fun. hard. So that made it really fun. <laughs> but also just, like, it's weird how, like, making art just coincides with real life in such specific ways. Um, like, I was, you know, when they were, like, playing their set, everybody was cheering. And I was thinking about when I was 15, I saw them at a music festival and I legit thought they were a famous band. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know. Like they I remember buzzers. hearing about, that was people, a sunshine, like, right? I didn't know. And like suddenly yeah. it's like, Oh, these are the people that have been with us since, day. you know, I remember right. day one, like we ended up opening for them and their manager mm-hmm. saw us and, and that's how we started working together. And like, so they're, they're the only band that's been there since day one for us. Mm-hmm. And I was just like picturing like, being 15 and seeing them on this huge mm-hmm. stage and being like, someday, like, mm-hmm. I might get to do that. And then they're the only band that's been there since day one. So I felt like a lot of grief over, like, oh, nobody's going to understand our full story. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's, there's nobody else that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, other than our families and our close friends, but on the, that also understands right. the grind. Mm-hmm. And um, I just felt so proud of them, and that sh- and to to have a show where you get to celebrate mm-hmm. somebody else's art and say like, "This is the last hurrah!" Like we mm-hmm. got to go all out. Um, it was really really special, and I realized how ins- like how a, they've been a big piece of my musical journey since I was a kid, since mm-hmm. I was fifteen years old. So, mm-hmm. end of sentence. 
Cool. Well, we can call it there. This was this was good. This was a lot of fun. Thank you um, for having us. You got yeah, it. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy tour and schedule to hang out with us for a minute. Yeah. And now we can we can have tacos. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. All right. Cool. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. Um, well, if if Good Morning Bedlamore are are in town near you, or even not, like they're within drive. So that's all. All right. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of Between Takes. Between Takes.